Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Gosh, I had a message that I wrote for this morning, and I'm not going to preach it. I know, I know. You know what? You know what? Somebody's like, hallelujah. Who said that? That's messed up. Merry, Chris- Merry Christmas. Um, you know why? So, so the Lord's doing something else here. And, uh, and so if you were here, any parents that were in the King's Chapel this last week, and Mr. Lucas preached out of a, a verse, and as he started into it, I felt the Lord like cast a line and hook me, reel me in. And so I'm not going to preach your message, Frank, but I'm going to preach out of that section. Um, it's a prequel kind of, or a sequel, or a, I don't know, it's something. Turn with me to the, the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter two. And uh, a, a group of us were invited by Tracy Koch and the School of the Spirit crew. Uh, a handful of us went out to a nursing home in Fall River this week. And I grew up going to nursing homes. Anybody in here go sing carols in nursing homes as a kid? I know you did, TJ. Um, in fact, I think this nursing home said just, I think that they had kicked you out. I think you, you are making the elderly feel uncomfortable and kind of preying on seniors and that sort of thing. So um, anyway, we were there uh, too soon, sorry. And uh, the deal is, is we were in there and I, and I felt the Lord kind of, I, I was continuing to sort of simmer on Frank's message from Wednesday. And, and the Lord brought me into this passage and Every time I go back, every time I look at what's happening, um, there's always something new. There's always something different. And I think it's important that if you're not kind of like used to just being in church on Sundays, I know that Christmas is a time that some of us get our arm twisted into being in church. Some of you are, you know, visiting with family that go to church and you're like, I'd rather not be here, but you know, that was my only ride. Otherwise I wasn't going to get breakfast or whatever. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you too. Um, But but one thing, so we believe in, in HPC here, we believe that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God. And what that means is anything that God breathed, well, it stays alive. It is staying alive, like the song says. And, uh, and that includes us. So we live forever, right? For better or for worse, we live forever. Uh, these bodies go away, but our spirit lives forever. And that same Holy Spirit that breathed life into us, that spirit breathed these words. And so when we get into scripture, when we read this, when we teach out of it, when we preach out of it, it's not just a textbook. It's not just a fable or an allegory or a myth or a metaphor. Uh, It is the literal, infallible, inerrant, all authoritative, final word of God. And so we believe it's still alive. And as it's alive, it means that it's taking on new life and new growth and new fruit for us when we get into it. So we're going to read a passage that maybe many of you, if you grew up in the church, you'll know this. It's going to sound familiar. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I know, I just can't get over how many times angels have to say that. And part of me thinks if angels stopped showing up in such a creepy way, they wouldn't have to say that so often. If you kind of wore plain clothes, you know what I'm saying, or just, you know, 
toned it down a little bit on the bedazzle shimmer thing. They said, don't be afraid. We're not with the village people doing a random tour through this uh, area. We are actually here to bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, and this is where Frank brought it home for King's Academy this week, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. What that means is Mary and Joseph look up and here comes this like convoy of shepherds coming in and they're like, it's okay, the angels told us to come. Uh, Otherwise it would have been weird to have them all walking in on you after you had just delivered a baby. You can ask all the people in here that deliver babies and like random people from the church show up in the room. It's real personal. And all who heard it, in verse 18, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. There's a couple things here that I want to point out. And uh, the first one is the shepherds that show up. They make it all the way into, who has a nativity set at home? On your mantle, in your front yard? Maybe you just put it around Mary in the half shell there on the, in the lawn. You know who you are. You're like, well, Mary's already out there. Let's just put the rest of them out. Not everybody's, you got to expand to a hot tub, you know? I don't even know if we can joke about that. Probably not. Second service won't like that. But here's the deal, right? So we all have nativities, and who makes it into the nativity? It's not just Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. It's not just the one or two donkeys that were there in the stable or the goats or whatever. No, it's shepherds. Shepherds. What's interesting about the mass production of these shepherds that has gone on for hundreds of years, for as long as people have been making nativities, for as long as people have been telling the Christmas story, the shepherds are part of it. What's radical about the shepherds is that we never know their names. We never know anything about them except that heaven thought it was important that they get invited to the most important day in all of history. One night... One baby born and the entire world changed. And in the middle of the night, the guy's working third shift, shepherding flock. Okay, and here's the other thing. There's nothing like neat or clean about this job. This is like you smell like sheep. You know what I'm saying? Like you're out there and you're covered in stuff that you ought not be tracking into a labor and delivery room. And as I was reading this, and I'm thinking about, here come the the shepherds showing up, and nobody knows their names. I think sometimes as people today, we can get lost in a crowd. If you're a part of this church, we've heard over the years that, well, how are we going to 
make our church still feel small even as it grows. And I'm so thrilled to have uh, watched as our church has grown and different things, different measures. The hospitality team has done an awesome job with this. Our elders um, still are meeting one-on-one with people, just enjoying time together. Um, The greenhouses were a huge thing that rolled out last year to make sure that we still felt like a small church, even though we were getting bigger. How many of you all know the church is global anyway, right? Worldwide, you know what I'm saying? And so as, as we grow, part of it is knowing people's names. Part of it is, is making sure that everybody feels special and invited and like they're valued. And what's interesting is that in this scenario, it goes from this really tight little intimate thing where heaven like injects itself into earth and the word of God, the, the word that created the heavens and the earth becomes flesh knit together conceived in a womb like all the rest of us minus the immaculate part and bam a baby private intimate quiet except for the noise of animals livestock and here come all these shepherds now we don't know how many there are but shepherds never worked really like by themselves and the bible says they were plural so we don't know how many but here they show up probably outnumbering this little family just by themselves. And with them, they wouldn't have necessarily maybe been able to leave all their sheep out there. They would have been prey for predators. So they bring all their sheep with them. Down the streets of Bethlehem at night, like herding sheep. Have you ever been to Ireland or anywhere and you try? Numbers, volume, sheep. And here they are, noisy, and they smell. They come with like a waft of, you know, animal, sheep. And, and here they come in and show up to see Jesus. Nobody knows their name, where they came from, what hill they were on, what family they belonged to. And you know what? None of it mattered. What mattered is that there was an invitation that heaven thought it was important that these no-name men with, a, with a, a not very prestigious job show up. If you're in the room this morning and you do feel that, you can identify with the insignificance of a role like this outside the circle, outside the city, outside the sphere. My prayer above all is that you can hear the Lord Maybe he shows up with angels for you. Maybe he shows up in just just a feeling that you get in your gut, but that you know that you have been invited to something as well. You have been invited, maybe not to the original birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago, but you've been invited to see him born in your life. You've been invited to see heaven conceive something in you here among us. So they show up and... As they get closer and closer, the smell of the stable as they kind of see the inn and then start to go around back with all their sheep, these shepherds in the front, they're kind of like, okay, this whole manger thing, this whole stable, this whole like livestock barn behind the motel, this is kind of like our bread and butter. This is where we work. This is how we live. And you know, it's, I've always marveled at why did the Lord choose the manger? 
there are, there are lowly places that a baby could be born. Anybody in here born in a Greyhound bus? I see that hand. Back of a taxi, Uber driver. You know what I'm saying? Just didn't make it to the hospital on time. Anybody? I know it happens. There are lowly places. There are humble places to be born. I almost started naming hospitals, but I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) There are humble places to be born, but for whatever reason, the Lord wanted to make sure, the Father wanted to make sure that Jesus was born in a manger because it bears some significance to Mary and Joseph? No, because he knew who was on the guest list that night. I believe that Jesus was born in the manger because those shepherds never would have felt comfortable anywhere else. Those, those men and maybe women coming in from the hills dressed in work clothes, farmer clothes, shepherd clothes, smelling like sheep, they would have felt awkward and out of place. They would not have felt welcome anywhere but one little barn behind the motel. And saints, I believe with my whole heart that the Lord goes out of his way to welcome us. I think he goes out of his way. I think he will move. I think he chose the divine destiny and location of the birth of Jesus around who was on the guest list. He wanted those shepherds there. And it was so important that these nameless, faceless crowd of people Forgotten by the rest of the world. They, they sleep all day, have to wake up at night to work through the night. They're just out there. Nobody ever knows. They just wear the sweaters with little regard for who, you know, sheared the wool. And at the end of all of it, those were the ones. And so God says, I know. I know what to do. If we really want those guys there, we really don't want them to feel out of place. We want them to feel like this whole thing was custom made around who they are where they've been, what they come from. And saints, that's the story of Jesus. That's the story of Jesus. This didn't stop after the night he was born. He spent his whole life creating environments, walking into rooms where people would have felt comfortable nowhere else. People would have felt out of place anywhere else. Rooms. Where, where folks can come and, and gather in the middle of their mess, in the middle of their issues. And there he was, in a place that smelled like them, a place that looked like them, a place that from down the street, it sounded like them. For too long, we've been, we've been making church feel like this thing that, that you have to become churchy in order to feel welcome at church. For too long, we've, we've made church this thing for centuries. We've made church this thing that like, well, if you get cleaned up, you can come in. Maybe some of you, you got saved and the first words to you were like, okay, now go get a haircut. All right, let's get you cleaned up. It's interesting. That was never part of the dialogue when the angels come and reveal themselves to the shepherds. They're like, go and take a shower. This is a brand new baby for crying out loud. Clean yourself up. Make sure you hit the Purell station on the way into the the stable. No. 
Jesus himself, we see Jesus wrapped in this like sparkling white, like glowing, gleaming, you know, like this oh, thing. Guys, can we be real about it? He would have been wrapped in something probably not that clean, probably not that fresh, probably something that was there. Nothing about this was, was sterile. Nothing about this was perfect in our eyes. But it was perfect to the Father because it was an environment that was welcoming. That's who the Lord is. That's who he wants to be to you. And if you're in this room this morning and you've ever felt unwelcome in church, you've ever felt unwelcome in a place that was designed to, to, to be a meeting ground for you in heaven, I want to apologize on behalf of pastors and churches everywhere and say to you, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. There was, no, there was no, hey, let's take inventory of every sin in your life to the shepherds before they hold him in their arms. Hey, let's pass this baby around. We came all the way out here. This is nuts. We've, we've seen a lot of things out on the hills shepherding. We've never seen a baby born in a, in a, in a hay feed. This is crazy. He's one of us. He's one of us. And he was. He grew up to be a shepherd. The greatest shepherd. A good shepherd. He started that way. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, shepherding us via his spirit. And saints, I want to encourage you this morning to know that this was about you. This isn't just some willow tree wood-carved or porcelain-painted statue that sits in the front yard of a church somewhere or on your mantle at home. This was about you, your name, your, your occupation, whatever you're coming out of. I love, I love how in heaven's perspective, they're just so excited that there are people out there who can be invited to come in. They're so excited to show up They're so excited just to see folks who will listen and who will obey and who will go and find this baby. And I believe with my whole heart that that's what heaven is looking for this morning. Searching to and fro over the face of the earth, not looking for people who have checked every box on their to-do list before Christmas. Not looking for people who are, who are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, getting themselves into astronomical debt to make sure that this is the best Christmas ever. No. Heaven is searching to and fro to find somebody who's willing to stop everything and find Jesus. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem. Frank talked to kings about the faith of going to see what had already taken place. And it was so, so perfectly articulated for that crowd, that demographic of kids. Instead of seeing, instead of that, that, that worldly speculation of, let's go see if God really did this. 
His whole point was there was a faith in them that said, if God said it, then he did it. Now let's go after it. And as he was in that, I felt like the Lord just zeroed me in on this line, when the angels had gone. When the angels had gone. And here's the truth. Every one of us, over the course of our lives, as we seek the Lord, as we go after the things of heaven, there are moments of revelation. There are moments of, maybe for some of you, it's goosebumps. Maybe for some of you, it's tears streaming down your cheeks. Maybe for some of you, it's feeling freedom for the very first time, kneeling at an altar. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's the experience in a greenhouse of having a group of people lay hands on you and pray over you. Maybe for some of you, it's just like for me, it's in worship. When I start worshiping, it's like, all right, I'm there already. But there comes a time when the angels leave. There comes a time when the feeling of glory seems to depart. There comes a time when the glory days of the revival you got saved in or the church services or the church you used to be uh, a part of or, the, or the, the meetings or the tent meetings or the Billy Graham crusade, there comes a moment when the music stops and the bombardment feels like it starts again. And I think about this little window of time Maybe it lasted seconds, maybe it lasted minutes, I don't know. But I think for heaven, in which there is no time, it might have felt like an eternity. The angels leave. And I don't think they really left. I think they just kind of hid behind clouds and they're peeking over and they're like, are they gonna go? Are they gonna go? What if they don't go? Guys, we did our best, right? Everybody was on cue. All the parts sounded awesome. Bertha wasn't flat like she usually is. She held it together. They're looking over the clouds to wait and see and for an eternity to find out, wait a minute, were these shepherds just a bunch of people who enjoy the experience of glory? Or are they willing to go and hold it in their hands? Are they willing to go and experience what tonight was really about? And I think too easily, saints, we become a people who we come in for the show. We come in for the lights and now apparently snow. <laughs> I've never had that on a Sunday morning before, so that's interesting. You did? I like it because it makes my flaky white residue just blend in on my shoulder pads. It's like, no, that's not dandruff. That's just, no. Um, no, I, I think sometimes we come in and we, 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 we get the feeling and we hear the angels singing and we, we experience the awe and the wonder of the glory of, of, of heaven. But we never stick around to see the fact that all of this is just an announcement for what's really here. Everything, the lights and the, and the, the singing and the, the goosebumps and the, and the tears and the freedom and the feeling of awe and when everything disappears and all I can hear and all I can see is an open heaven and oh my God, the revelation. And when the angels had gone, did the shepherds go running over the, the countryside to see if they could 
get another angel sighting? Did they go chase down? Did they just sit down and write books and make YouTubes about when they saw angels, had visitations from angels? No. They accepted it for what it was, an invitation. That if heaven shows you something, it's always an invitation. If you experience something, and as Pentecostals, I know not everybody in here is Pentecostal yet, but as Pentecostals, as Pentecostals, we can get really hung up on the show. We can get really hung up on the experiential, like, goosebumpy part of this. And I love it. It happens. It's real. Heaven rolls back and shows up, but it's all for an invitation. Will you go? Will you go after Jesus? When you walk out of here and wake up Monday morning, will you go after Jesus? When the same lies the enemy's been telling you for years turns out, that time at the altar, that time in deliverance, that time in in counseling, that time uh, in worship, oh, it turns out it didn't make Satan go away. Turns out I'm still being tempted. I'm still struggling. I'm still stumbling. I'm still following, falling. Okay, but will you go and find Jesus? Not one angel said, now listen, who in here is struggling because you are not fit? Who in here is on the outs in the relationship with their parents? You can't go. Who in here, you know, went back to their addiction within the last seven days? You can't go. Who in here, you know, whatever, you fill in the blank or don't because heaven didn't think it was that important to include that. What was included is that an invitation was made. And a decision was made. And that night, they encountered Jesus. The real glory. The real show. The real transformation. Would you stand with me, saints? The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Where did they go back to? The fields. They went back to their lives. They probably didn't get any sleep that night or the next day maybe the day after that. You know, I think we see the disciples and we see Jesus coming along and people leaving their nets and their whole lives behind on the sand to go and follow him. And it's this beautiful imagery, the imagery of of Elisha burning the plow, sacrificing the oxen to go and follow Jesus. But what's interesting is that There is one aspect of this where 
many people in here, to the naked eye, it may not feel or seem like your life is radically changing. I remember being a kid and every time I had like a real encounter with the Lord, every time I rededicated my life or, you know, because when you grow up in the Bible Belt, there's a lot of like guilt and it's like you just keep getting saved over and over. We weren't Southern Baptists growing up. We were Pentecost. Southern Baptists, you got saved once and you didn't matter what you did after that. You were always saved. Um, But for us, it was like, no, I messed up. I need to go get saved again. If I messed up real bad, I should probably get baptized again too. But what was interesting is I was always waiting for some transformation to to like take place in this visible, tangible, touchable, feelable, smellable way. But what's interesting, and and I wanna encourage you with this because I think as I talk to people, We're constantly looking for that metric that our life has changed. We're constantly looking for that indicator, the litmus test. Was this real? If you're honest with yourself in here this morning, there may have been a time when you've questioned something that at one point you thought was God and then doubt sets in or fear or maybe just another day shepherding, another day in the office, and you ask was that real? Did I make that up? The shepherds went back, back where they came from, back to what they had always known, back to the same old sheep on the same old hill, another day in the office, but they went back glorifying and praising God. That was the change that was the transformation. That's the metric. It's not apart from you. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that comes from you when you've really encountered Jesus. The decision to go back, but to go back singing, to go back, but to go back glorifying, to go back, to go back praising God for all that they had heard and seen. That is Christmas. That is Christmas. When the people of God catch a glimpse of heaven and hold it in their hearts, like Mary, it says she treasured these things in her heart. Guess what? She had to go back to life. She had to go back to normal, back to whatever. And I got to raise this kid. Oh, angels aren't going to come down and change his diapers for me? No. It's life. Nobody told you you weren't going to have life. There's no promise in here that things aren't going to get hard. There's no promise in here that, well, once you encounter heaven, everything's going to be cupcakes and butterflies and roses. No. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. But it's when we go back praising, glorifying, singing, that's what tells the world that what we saw was real because it was real in us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the way that you overshadowed Mary and conceived heaven within her womb. And God, we invite you to conceive in us. We invite you to make real, to knit together in us 
Jesus. That his life and his truth and his way, his light and his glory would be born through us. That our story would not just be going back to go back, but it would be going back and carrying with us the light and the life of Christmas. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we give you all the glory and the honor. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.